Hail, hail. Good evening, folks, and welcome along to the Friday night show of the Endless Silks podcast. And for the second week in a row, it's uh, the gruesome twosome of Anthony and Stephen with you tonight. Delighted to have you to be joined with you tonight, mate. Uh, how are you? How you been? It's Friday. The gruesome twosome? I don't, I'm not <laughs> sure I like that. I'm not sure I like it. I'll have to think of another one, but now I'm good, man. Bit of a tough day today for certain reasons, but I'm, I'm here going to talk all, all things Celtic and I'm looking forward to it. A few things to discuss, a couple of good talking points. So should be a good podcast on a Friday night with some tea and water. No more beer. Oh, What's going on? It's, 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 we're, we're obviously in our training camp ahead of the Christmas party next month, mate. So, yeah, I'm same as you. I've got my juice tonight. So, yeah, clean living this month. <laughs> oh, by the way, I will come on to the comments very shortly. I know there's a few comments already in, but I need to share a few stuff first. So, We'll get into that shortly. Uh, it. So first of all, before we go any further, let's look at the Super Six League table. If uh, if you could so kindly do so, that, Stephen. First place is Kieran. Second place, Mark Robertson. Third place, Anthony Dunn. You're still there, buddy. Fourth, Jay McIlduff. Fifth, William Dobbin. Sixth, Stephen Coulthard. Seventh, Alistair Jack. Eighth, Kevin Gallagher. And rounding off the top nine is Joe Finley. He looks very tight at the top. And you're keeping the pace, Anthony. How are you doing it, man? <laughs> uh, no, well, I think, to be fair, Kieran, you know, like you say, he's starting to pull away a wee bit there. But it would be, I think I would be fit a lot more um, up, you know, up near the top if um, I would just accept reality and stop taking Man United um, every time in the Super 6. Oh. Just accept the, oh. the, days, the glory days are over. Um <laughs> That was uh, I, I went with them on Wednesday night. I thought they would, we won at home against Newcastle in the cup. Stupidly took them last week as a, in a two-one um, against City. But you know, after ten minutes, I'm going, "What the hell am I doing? I'm just throwing points away." But what can you do? And uh, but yeah, welcome along and um, Stephen Coltart as well. Um, just to let you know, I'm going to pick up the t-shirt tomorrow, so I will absolutely be with you next week. So that's a uh, Something to look forward to. I know it's been far too long. It's just been a crazy um, couple of weeks, but I will go up and collect it tomorrow from Rossi's house and get that to you. Um, but before we um, review the, the St Mirren game, Stephen, you could always um, say as well that you know, everyone says, oh, we're, we're, we're just guys that do a podcast, but it, it would appear that you and uh, Franco and Ross have got some mystical, magical powers of being able to see into the future. Um, I'll, let yeah. you, I'll just let you take it away with this uh, prediction from Monday Night Show. A hundred percent. I think this is the first time ever we've ever done a recap on, on a podcast, but this is what TikTok allows us to do. Fair play to William for putting this together. So kick back, relax, and enjoy a minute of us discussing. Oh, he's coming on in wee fits and starts for me, and he's he's desperate to get a goal. He needs a goal. And he's snatching at everything. And it, it's it's just one of the things with a striker. They they go through these spells and it looks worse or no because he hasn't been getting that run in the team previously when he did look all right. He's still not getting that run and his confidence is so low. He needs a goal for me to get his confidence back up. The dreams that you want to manifest, you are given those. Um. So he's unfortunate. I don't think he scored this season. I totally agree with you, Ross. He's absolutely desperate, desperate for a goal. And you just never know. With strikers, he gets a goal, gives him that confidence, that wee monkey's off the back and stuff. I think O needs a run of games. And it comes down to that, really, doesn't it? Or else he has to be the super, super sub and come on and score every time he comes on the pitch and then maybe 
something can develop from there and he can start. I just consulted my crystal ball to see what's in the future. Gives it to Kyogo. Flicks it on towards Odin home. It's a chance for... Oh! And oh, scores! He takes a touch! He blasts it into the back of the net! Absolutely sensational, mate. That's uh, but kudos to you guys for your prediction. Kudos to Ollie for uh, putting the wee video together. But uh, aye, that's it. As I say, we're on TikTok now as well. Um, so if anybody's all you, you youngins that are a bit more um, uh, a bit more up to speed, um, <laughs> you know how it all works on your score. But you know, batter in. Um, I don't really know how it all works, but I'll leave it up to up to you guys how to do it. But Wally's absolutely brilliant with it. Um, and welcome along, everybody, in the comments as well. Always great to see you and uh, obviously get involved in the show. Stephen's in charge tonight. He'll be bringing up all the all the uh, comments as well, and that will help uh, shape the discussion. Um, so we'll get right back to Wednesday night, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd obviously said on Monday night show, obviously mentioned that the, the kind of decent form that St Mern have been in um, this season, so weren't expecting it to be a walk in the park. Um, we probably would have liked it to be a little bit more comfortable than what it was on Wednesday. But, you know, we've said it in the group chat um, since Wednesday that it's one of those nights, you know, they, they come up, they crop up now and again where you have to huff and puff, but it's most just kind of getting out of the way and getting those three points on the board. I mean, was it Finty Celtic? Absolutely not. But it's the, these types of games that, that win your leagues. And we've seen this in the previous two to three years under Posta Coglun coming into this season under Rogers. We kind of have that attitude, never say die, we never stop kind of mantra that goes around the club. And like you said there, Stephen Robinson, third played him. He has St. Mern well organised, well drilled. They're very, I think they're a very athletic side, very physical side. They've got good players. I mean, you look at that. Ryan Strain, the forward, I thought causes a lot of problems when he was on the pitch. McMenamin, who got the goal, he came from Glentor in the Irish League. So they've, they've got good players in the team and he's got the best out of them. And that's what a good manager does. And to be fair, he always gives us a tough game. When we play them, we might have an, an odd kind of game where we win five or, or six, but it's very rare that we do against St. Martin these days. And look, it's testament to the management team who are in charge of that. But back to Celtic, like you said, Anthony, people may have been expecting a hammering or a walk in the park, but see for me at the minute, getting the, the points on the board is what's crucial and keeping that momentum going and keeping that lead because it got cut to five points on Saturday. So we couldn't afford to, to kind of get ourselves bogged down thinking we're going to win five, six, seven against the Mern on a Wednesday night. So it, it was crucial that we kept the, the pressure on them, so to speak, and, and we keep winning games, Anthony. And like I said, there these these games are the types of the make it champions at the end of the season. Once once you look back on like Ralston at Dingwall, Abada against Dundee United. This could be another one. Oh, against St. Mirren in the 82nd minute. So every every point counts at, at this point of the season. Yeah, that's it, mate. I, I, I totally agree. I think it's that we would love it. And most of the time, let's be fair, especially at Celtic Park, we do, you know, kind of blow teams away and we're, we're very comfortable and assured on the ball. But you've, you know, we've spoken about that in another um, sort of podcast as well about the fact that domestic teams setting up to try and have a go. I, mean, I don't think St Mirren by any sense just had 10 men behind the ball and hope for the best. No. I think they you know, they at least attempted to, to play their game and they obviously got off to a great start with, with the goal. Um, you know, we started to get a rhythm, got got the goal um, through Turnbull, um, which we'll discuss about. And then we thought we were going to, you know, crack on. Obviously, we've got, we've got the penalty to, to discuss as, as well. But then that kind of, it kind of sort of started that momentum and then, 
it was just like you could definitely feel a bit of the nerves um mm -hmm. from the stands onto the pitch as well but um we'll obviously talk it later on as well about the impact that um the guys from the bench made um they were, they were crucial in getting us that three points but um yeah like you say Stephen didn't didn't start too great obviously Menman got the the early goal perhaps a little bit of miscommunication between um Phillips and Scales you know they're maybe not too familiar um playing together um obviously um at first there was a, a big worry before the game um a lot of folk in the stadium we were worried as you know as CCV picked up an injury but it was quite quickly confirmed that, that this was all always going to be a planned absence game for um mm -hmm. for Carter Vickers just don't want to rush him back too soon with too heavy a schedule which is absolutely fair enough um and although maybe wasn't the best of starts, Philip certainly proved his worth uh, near the end, um, as we'll get on to. But we did respond pretty quickly um, through a wonderful strike uh, for David Turnbull. Um, as to be said, no goalkeeper in the world stopping that. Um, we've spoke, I know you guys kind of quite forensically spoke about the, the shape of the squad on Monday night. It was a brilliant show. But, but you know, we we're talking about you know the midfielders that have got the chance to stake a claim now in Hatati's absence. Um, David Turnbull's got to take all these opportunities that come his way 100%. But if I circle back to the goal, we can see the first of all that you mentioned Nat Phillips and, and Scales. Nat Phillips actually came out to the right, the Johnson side, so left hand side, left Scales in with and there with a player. Taylor was in no man's land, and I think for me, Scales should have headed that ball away. I think he got called, on, called underneath the flight of the ball. And you've seen by Taylor's reaction, he thought that uh, Scales was going to deal with that. Obviously, he obviously gave him a bit of words and stuff. But it was a pure goal to can see. McMinimum's about five foot six. He's not the tallest player in the world. He does get into the back post. And it was a good header, to be fair. Could Joe Hart maybe have done better? I don't know. He was a, he was a bit flat-footed. It wasn't the most powerful header in the world. But, yeah, David Turnbull, I mean, look, he's one of these guys in the squad that can produce a moment of magic. And it's not doubting Turnbull's quality for me. It's the work rate, it's the other side of the game that that I have worries about Turnbull. It's the closing down, it's the 90 minutes of pure intensity, getting in tackles and getting to people's faces. I think for me, he's a luxury player for Celtic. His goal was fantastic. Oh, Left-hand side of the box, bang, right in top bin nearly at the right-hand side of the goalkeeper's net. And you're right, their goalkeeper had no opportunity to save. That was a fantastic goal. He could do that. He's probably one of the best, maybe by Palma, at shooting outside the box in, in the team. But he needs to take the opportunities. Obviously, Rogers is trying the water. He's he's tried Turnbull. He's tried Odin Tiago home come into the game. We're going to talk about that, obviously. But these players, like you said, need to take this opportunity while the Tate's out to make this position their own because we can't be going into every game chopping and changing the ten. We need to have a settlement big free with with Hatate and no, sorry, with O'Reilly and McGregor and someone in front. We can't keep chopping and changing. Because like you mentioned with Scales of Phillips, they need to develop the relationship. And the only way you're going to do that is with a settled midfield free. But I do I think Turnbull should be it. No, to be honest. I, as I said, he produces magical moments. But other than that, I think he's very non-existent in games. I think he does the same 360 turn that we see all the time where he, he looks this way, comes in, comes in the field and either passes it back or whatever. But yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a like, Ian McIntosh says here, DT is a luxury player, good against weak opponents. I think that's pretty well summed up in terms of that and that's the way I'm sitting on it I don't know about yourself and obviously he's done some magical things he scored some cracking goals but other than that he offers really nothing for me in a Celtic shirt yeah I think it's I mean there's no, I think we all I, 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 there's no denying um his um you know he's a cultured player and you know very you know 
he, he always comes across very calm and assured on the ball. But I, 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 I'm inclined to agree with you, Stephen, on the fact that sometimes, you know, and, and I think Ollie is at some point, at some point or other, have brought this up on the podcast that it might just be in those bigger games, you know, whether it be yeah. a bigger game domestically, whether it be, you know, against the, like, say, an Aberdeen or a Rangers or, you know, it's certainly in Europe as well. It did, it, you know, you couldn't imagine him starting um, against Atletico or, or anything like that in the Champions well, League. You look at the Atletico game, Anthony, he, he brought on Bernardo. So he didn't bring on Turnbull. So. That's it. Maybe Brendan himself sees him as more a, a domestic um, player rather than, than one for Europe, which, like you say, is, is almost ironic considering that as he's a bit of a slower player, he's a bit more cultured, takes a bit more time in the ball, might be more suited to the European game, but obviously Brendan sees these guys day in, day out, and um, you know he'll make his, his judgments accordingly. Um, and like you say, we've, we've seen the great, the, the, the good of David Turnbull, and I, I appreciate that this is maybe a personal thing, but it, it's something that's, and you know, it's not something we can say we do it all the time, because, you know, penalty decisions for Celtic very rarely, um, you know, go or, you, you know, it's not like, but it's something we get with any kind of regularity. But this is um it's and it's not just David Turnbull, just he just happened to be the latest player um to be guilty of it, but we've seen this with Atati and um that this season I'm mean, sure there might have been some uh, quite a few last season as well. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what our success rate is for the penalty spot, but it, it can't be great com- compared to others. And I, I appreciate this is maybe like me going a bit over the score and people will say it not, but and I totally appreciate in the terms of like a penalty shootout or something like that. Um, you know, you, you can't, you know, there's some, somebody has to miss in a shootout. That's just part mm-hmm. of the course. But, you know, that's the last two penalties we've had. And we've not even got them on target, let alone the keeper making a, a great save. And it's something that really, really bugs me. The our inability to regularly score for, this, for the penalty spot. I've, and there's been times I've been quoted in the pub and different levels <laughs> of sobriety, Stephen. When it says, if, see, for me, I think it's a wage docking offence. It, it really does. Not your full wage, but I, I definitely think there should be. If, if you if you can't score for 12 yards with a free hit at a goalkeeper, for me, there's something that just doesn't stack up. And it, it's getting more and more regular at Celtic. And it really, really, as you can, as you can see, gets I on can my see it. Oh, It, it frustrates the life out of me. I mean, if you, if you go back to the actual penalty kick, I don't understand why Godzik wasn't sent off. He, yeah. It was a clear goal-scoring opportunity and the ball was net-bound. He literally mm-hmm. saved it with his right, his right fist. So I don't know why he wasn't sent off in the first place and down to 10 men, because if that was us, John Beaton would be... Oh, his, his rare card would fall out and he'd have to pick it up trying to get out that quick. But I mean, like you said, Celtic and penalty kicks don't seem to go. Mm-hmm. The, the, the real, they really don't. Penalty kick takers, I mean... Turnbull, he, if you when I watched it on the thing I was watching on the stream, he actually showed the keeper where he was going. The camera caught him looking to the left hand side, so he's not, in my opinion, confident taking it. People say Kyogo, and I understand he's the striker stuff, but I think if you give Kyogo too much time to think, he doesn't make the right decision, and that's why he's very instinctive. He, he's very off the cuff striker, and look, that may be a stupid thing to say on my part, but it's what it's what I'm saying. Like if. We've seen Kyogo do one-on-ones. He had a one-on-one against their keeper on Wednesday. He tried to go for the chip instead of putting it in the simple place and in the corners. Mm-hmm. 
So I think when you give Kyogo too much time to think, he maybe makes the wrong decision sometimes. That's not to say we'll be a good penalty kick here, or it's just my opinion. And look, a Wade's stock on the fence. Fuck. You know, you, you mean, know, I'm talking in hyperbole. No, 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 but no, no, no. It's so it's, frustrating. It's, yeah, I get the point of it because you'd think, in, in in hindsight, it's easy to score from that distance. Do you know what I mean? And look. And it comes down to it as well. If we got that player with the whole cold nature of taking a penalty kick week in, week out, I don't think we do. We've seen it. Rogers has changed it from Atate to Turnbull, the different players, Palma, whatever, might get a chance. But I don't know what it is. And look, maybe threaten them with a, a dock of 30% a week <laughs> if, they, if they don't score a penalty. You never know. But I do want to come to the, the comments here just for a wee second. Um, Man, Michael McDonald, man, quit it in the pub. That's that's where the song get most of their stories <laughs> in the college source close to. Um, Ian McIntosh, keep it red, Kyogo well. Oh, show them how it's done, 100%. Uh, yeah, Rebel95, Joe Hart knows how to score for a penalty. I've seen that, yeah. seen that clip going around Twitter today. But it, it's like, two out in the European uh, the Champions League as well, obviously. It's it's just a conundrum for it's not just this season or last season, actually. This has been throughout the years. Like can you like I asked the question on the podcast a few weeks back. Can you tell me the last solid penalty kick ticker we actually had who scored maybe six or seven in a row? I can't remember. I suppose the fact that it was only there the one season, you can't really I think obviously last year, um after um Juranovic missed in the Bernabeu and um after that, you know, um I don't think Alan Moy missed any. But, you know, he was only there one season, so you can't really say, you know... He, but he many did he score, like, two? Two or three? Something like that. But, he, but I would say that, like Juranovic up until that penalty in the Bernabeu, he always looked... You, you, you're always quite confident it was going to go in. I mean, you even mm. think Jota had a couple last season, and they went in, but they weren't they weren't the best of penalties, you know, that kind of went under the goalkeepers, almost. But um, I appreciate you, you obviously can't. I mean, even the, I mean, Alan Shearer even missed a, a couple penalties in his career, but it just it just seems to be more regular with Celtic than than most clubs, and it just yeah, it's definitely a, a bone of contention uh, with me. But, it's weird though. It is strange. Yeah, strange phenomenon, absolutely. Um, with the with the gap, you, you, that's which brings me and your um, comments here, Stephen Swiftly, um, seamlessly brought us into the the next part. My favourite subject. Uh, I'll try not mm-hmm. to rant about it as much as what I did. Uh, last week, of course, um, but I'll try and keep it at least topical this time. Um, like you say, red card offence potentially for uh, Gogic with the penalty. Um, and then, of course, Celtic were, well, going by modern day standards, denied an absolute stonewall penalty in the second half when the St. Martin defender, um, whose name I can't recall from, just isn't even looking at the ball and blatantly puts his hands and shoves Kyogo um, in the penalty box. Now, considering it's um, John Beaton um, and his, uh, you know, assorted team who couldn't get the whistles in their mouth and uh, into John's earpiece quick enough last week at Ibrox, um, how that wasn't even looked at um, is, you know, it kind of beggars belief, quite frankly. Um, and again, you know, Ross brought it up in the, the group chat as well. It's just this absolute lack of consistency yet again. And we're all agreed if um, if a Celtic defender does that um, at Ibrox when the game's tied at 1-1 in the last minute, it's not even a debate. They would be getting that penalty. And that's that's where the lack of consistency frustrates the life out of Celtic supporters. 
Yeah, I mean, as well, what frustrates me, Anthony, is the Celtic board are quick to make statements about certain things, but things affecting the club and on the pits, I'm talking about, week in, week out, they don't. This has been going on for years, and it's got even worse since VAR has been introduced into the Scallies League. And it's a topic we'll have to keep talking about because it rears its head every week, every game we play in. Um, the Kyogo incident was a stonewaller. Like you said, the fellow was just looking at him, blocked him off the ball, pushed him out of the way. It's a, it's a blatant penalty kick. The Connor someone, their second goalkeeper, remember that guy? <laughs> he was making a run off the Hearts player, and he does the slightest of tug, the slightest of tug, and he falls down, beaten, thinks it's Christmas, he can get a pint in the local supporters club. Do you know what I mean? Done him a favour and all that. It's a shambles. And it, it, comes, it comes down to the referees and the morons that, that occupy this equipment. Do you know what I mean? It's, I was listening to the, the talk sport. I think it was, um, it might have been a few days ago, just going into work and obviously you just pick up a few things and they were talking about referees and how they have to be in England, they have to say what uh, club their allegiance lie to and, and all that type of stuff. There's no rules up here for that. It's, there's no transparency for that. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's shambolic from top to bottom and especially in Scotland, we aren't fit to control it. There's the, the, the as you said, the inconsistency is incredible. A team has went over 60, 63 league games without conceding a penalty kick. Um, you know who I'm talking about. And other, other shambles. If this doesn't, like, I'm going to be honest, if this doesn't point out cheating on a wide scale, I do not know what has to happen in Scottish football. There's too many decisions that go for a certain team and the others fall by the wayside. Now, I'm including the other 11 teams in the league at this point. One team gets a different rule. The others have to obey by another. And look, people say conspiracies. People say whatever, we're paranoid, paranoia, all that type of stuff. It's not paranoia or conspiracies when you see it week in, week out. It's, it's an absolute shambles, and it riles me up talking about it. Like you last week with me. I know I was going it was, to say it's it almost was, like we'll swap sides this week. Yeah, it, but it's, 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 it's shambolic. I just don't understand how this can be. How, like, if you look at the governor and bodies, right, how can the UEFA or FIFA, who oversee VAR, who brought it in, implemented it across the associations, how can they look and be like, that, that seems to be going well in Scotland? Like, why is there no other authority looking at this going, what's going on? I mean, if you look, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm painting a large scale here, but you look, you look at Tonali at Newcastle. He got mm-hmm. done for batting. And a, a, a teammate of Lacey Milan got done for batting. And look, we don't know what to bet it on, but they did bet in sports. Who's to say these referees aren't doing the exact same fucking thing? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because there's suspicious stuff going on week in, week out in Scotland. And I don't know why it's never been pointed out. Honestly, I, I just really, I really don't. There's a, there's a famous quote in, um, I think it's Alex Ferguson's first book. I'm sure it's, it's either Inter Milan or Juventus um, that they're playing in a, a European game. And um, basically it says after, the, the, you know, the, there was something, that he, he got a phone call from someone pretending to be an, an, an Italian journalist. I think he worked with one of the, the local gazettes. And um, he basically told them in the run-up to it, he says, you know that, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, like the referees bought essentially for for this game. And mm-hmm. obviously, Ferguson just didn't, you know, didn't really pay much attention to it. And bef- but before the journalist hung up, he says he went. That's the difference between, um, well, you sort of say like the, you know, the British teams and um, you know the Italian teams or whatever. He says he went. You guys over there can't believe the game is corrupt. And he went. But over here, we can't believe it's not corrupt. You know, mm. that, that's, the corruption is just a, 
you know, it's par for the course for, for these people. And I think in terms of the VAR, I think you're, you're bang on in the sense that VAR's been a complete and utter failure, I think, across the board. It's, it's, it's a disaster down in England as well. And mm. I don't think referees, it's, it, in terms of the competence, I don't think there's really any difference. I think the English referees, I don't think they're any better. But the problem is, but you can't be accused of um, bias down there because, like you say, if you're, just say, for example, a Liverpool supporter, not only mm. can you not referee Liverpool games, naturally, you also can't referee Everton games, you can't referee Tranmere Rovers games. I think it might be probably even docks you from crane against certain other um, of the big clubs as well. Um, so there's there's that. And I know people say, oh, it's, you know, population and all that, but I, I always bring it back to, well, how, how is it never a, a an issue with, and, you know, if you look at other countries the same size as us, you know, Sweden and, you know, the other Nordic Belgium. states. Belgium. There's, there's never, it doesn't yeah. raise its circle ahead. We, I think we all know why it doesn't, but, um, but you know, as I'm I say, say, say another thing. Sorry, sorry, I'm not, I'm not cutting you off or anything. Don't do a what moment like Ross done. <laughs> what is that? But, <laughs> what is that? But um, referees in other leagues are held accountable for the, the mistakes they make. Referees over here don't over here. I'm, I'm in Ireland, but in Scotland, they don't get held accountable for anything they do. They don't get demoted. They don't get anything. If the heat is on a referee, they'll maybe put him in the championship. But the next week again, he's refereeing a top uh, SPFL game. So there, there's no accountability at all. And week in, week out, and although they're part time, they're they're well paid. Some of these referees are really well paid, and they know if they make a mistake, they could either be just put in the VAR room or just give another game. There's no accountability up here, and that's one of the reasons why they get away with it. Yeah. Well, you you look at the the the, the incident, the Rangers Livingston game a few weeks back in the cup. Blatant foul not picked up by Willie Collum, um, even in the VAR, having multiple um, to, uh, opportunities to have a look at it. Um, awful decision, absolutely. There's no, he was, must have been the only person on planet Earth that didn't think that was a foul. Even Ali McCoy's thought it was a blatant foul. And mm-hmm. his reward was, rather than punishment, he got the Celtic game on the Saturday against, um, against Motherwell that, that, that yeah. following week. You look at John Beaton's disgraceful performance last week, and he's rewarded with a Celtic game straight after on Wednesday night. There, it's um, it's just an absolute shambles of a situation. I totally agree, mate. But we'll we'll park the VAR chart there till till next week, no doubt. Um, but uh, we, we just want to give a, a bit of praise to the the players that kind of made an impact. Some the unexpected starts, and then the one ones off the bench as well. Um, obviously, Matt Phillips was to say perhaps not the greatest of starts at the at the beginning, but he made two absolutely brilliant um, blocks um, after Celtic had went two one up just to, to preserve mm-hmm. their lead. Um, so you know, kind of as we've said before, he's not going to ever be classed the most silkiest centre half, but put his body on the line when it mattered most. So we have got to give hats off to that. And the other three players is the guys that, you know, you guys spoke at great length about it on, on Monday night. And again, I'll repeat to end it. It's not listened to Monday's show yet to, to go back and give it a listen because it's quite good sometimes when you get that opportunity to do the, the deep dive on the this current uh, set up of the squad and, and you know, give give the marks on each one. But um, some of the, the mentioned play, guys you spoke about on Monday night all had a massive part to play on on Wednesday, Stephen. Um, Palmer. Had kind of huffed and puffed, but he'd ran his race um, kind of early on in the second half and was replaced by Yang, who I probably would say had, but he, had, he was getting a lot of joy down that left-hand mm-hmm. side. A bag of tricks, no doubt, of course, but 
effective with it as well. It's all very well doing step overs and then not having any end product. He, he was really getting a, a, a good run at it and mm -hmm. definitely helped to stretch the game. Um, Tiago Holm, like we were saying, he, we were talking earlier about David Turnbull and how, how cultured he is on the ball and how you know he's good, you know good, good passer and can sometimes open the defences with a little mm. balls. I, I, I seem to think that Holm can do all that, but he just maybe does it half a second quicker and it just a, a bit more pleasing on the eye. And I want to give special mention to our, our understudy striker, um, O, because I think we you guys have you were really good on Monday night and obviously we're not blind to the fact that he's perhaps not set the header on fire as much as we would have wanted. But I think we also have to think, and I'm sure we agree that some of the criticism he's been getting is, for me, I think anyway, way over the top. I mean, he's, he's came in, we've we seen how happy Ange was to get him last year. He was definitely one that he wanted in the door. Um, but we knew he was always going to be Kyogo's understudy to start with. It probably hasn't helped the fact that um, Yakimakis, who he's forever unfairly compared with, had started, you know, really taking off in America. Yeah. Um, but when I look at some of the contributions, you know, he came on, made his debut at Tanadice, uh, proved to be quite a comfortable win for us in the end. Um, I think, you know, when Rangers were starting to get in the ascendancy in the cup final and he came on, he kind of weathered that storm, uh, helped us weather that storm, be able to hold the ball up um, further up the pitch and got allowed us to get our, our, our stride back. Obviously scored a, a late winner um, against Hibs um, in the middle yep. of springtime, just again, when it was just getting to that kind of, you know, squeaky bum time in the season. Obviously scored the, the goal that clinched the league title at Tynecastle as well. Um, and I think we've all said that it was almost after um, Jurgen Klinsmann had came to see him um, at Rugby Park. I think, I don't know if something's happened and he always, it seemed like he was trying too hard that day, if that's, you know, yeah. such a, you know, um, thing can be levelled at a player. Um, and his, his confidence for me just seems to be shot ever since. What I've always um, kind of said in his defence is at least he's still, he's not hiding. He's always looking for the ball when it comes on. And, um, you know, he's been getting into the right positions and stuff. But sometimes with a striker, like you're saying, especially when he's not getting a run of games, it can be frustrating. And um, maybe, you know, taking that little be half second for a wee bit more composure and, and he's kind of snatching it, you know, attempts as well. And um, But I have to say, he took his goal absolutely brilliantly mm -hmm. on, on Wednesday night. I was absolutely delighted for him. The, the way he moved to receive the ball, the home was brilliant, took the St Martin defender out of the game and gave the goalkeeper, who had had a brilliant game up until then, it has to be said, absolutely no chance whatsoever. And we're hopeful. Um, but we're not saying that he's going to be starting games um, whilst Kyogo's in the forum that he's in, but hopefully that'll do him in good stead for as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, I'll go back to Yang first of all, and I'll finish with um, Oh, but Yang for me ended Mikey Johnson's Celtic career, and I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. And that, that sounds harsh, but I'm absolutely buzzing. I thought, like you mentioned his, um, his end product, what I noticed about him against St. Mirren was he wasn't overdoing things. Like he was doing the first couple of games when he was coming in, he was taking it to the byline, he was having to run out for a goal kick. He was cutting in, he was hitting a few shots, he was taking the player on, getting crosses in. So the end, the end product, that they must be working on that in training quite a lot because I thought you could see the development of that side of his game. I thought he was very direct. He tortured their left back, let's be fair. And like you said, done a couple of nice step overs, but something was coming off the end of it, whether it was a pass, whether it was in the box or, or a shot off the keeper. So I think he needs to feature a lot more. 
I think he's what we're missing, a player who can eliminate opponents and, and do it on the regular basis. Palma, like you said, huffed and puffed. He really frustrated me against it, Merlin. I thought there was times where he could have took the, the, the their full back on and t- took my game, but he didn't. He was cutting back in. They were reading it a few times. He was getting the ball took off him in silly situations, but you can still see that quality coming through in his game. I think he's, you mentioned cultured. I think he's very cultured on the ball. He has an eye for a pass. He's, he's a really good deliverer from a free kick in the corner, so he, he done okay. Um, Thiago home. I thought was excellent when he came on. He kind of disappeared after the whole red card in the Champions League, but I know I think he got an injury and, and he only came back recently. But I think you made a great point that I didn't really pick up on. He's a bit quicker than Turnbull doing things and laying the ball off, and he's very industrious. What Turnbull isn't, he's work great. He can work back the pitch. He can work up the pitch. No means like that number eight, but he's not afraid to get stuck in as well and put a few tackles in. Albeit he got sent off at the, against Farnell, but his heart was in the right place at that time. But his layoff, I thought, was magnificent. That deal, and like you said, oh, peeled off that their defender, their defender thought he was coming out of the box, but he peeled away from him, made the run, and do you know what I loved? And this probably sounds stupid. It was like a finish you would see in the Champions League, just rattled it, bang in the top corner of the left hand side of the keeper, and it was like a brilliant finish because it was instinctive. He took it, a couple of touches out of his feet, and the keeper had no chance, and was absolutely delighted for him. And I hope that kick-starts him, getting a couple of goals, or even a, a run with Kyogo. Like, he finished the game as a two. So mm-hmm. maybe Rodgers can, can look at doing that more and, and coming onto the pitch affected the games that way. I thought it was a brilliant move by Rodgers as well to bring him on and try and impact the game. Um, but yeah, the, the players that we spoke about did make an impact, and I'm happy as long as that trend continues and has to continue for me into European football. Do you know what I mean? It has to show that aspect of it as well. But yeah, I thought oh, was while he was almost fantastic and uh, Yang Yang for me was my man in the match I know he was only on for 35 minutes but he'd done the most out of any player there in terms of trying to create something trying to play off the cuff and I'm really excited by what I'm seeing of him so far Yeah he definitely looked apart and I think there was just a split second um, with, the, with the crowd when they thought I mean it would just be Poor O's luck if that shot had, you know, rebounded off the crossbar or, or something like that. But, you know, when the, when the net um, bulged, it was absolutely fantastic. And as I say, delighted for him. And I, I hope that that kind of can G him up a wee bit. And again, we spoke about it at length last week as well about Brendan Rodgers, the man, not just the manager. Um, yep. The way he can, you know, look after his players and his post-match comments again just shows you why so many, many, many players, you know, wax lyrical about him. He's, you know, made it quite clear that, of course, he's got to work on his game and that goes without saying, but recognising what he brings to the, the team as well, which was, um, yeah, uh, you know, great. Anthony, can, can I just, can I just uh, say something here? Matty's come in a few times and I've seen his comments and I'm not ignoring you. He, obviously, after my comments are about the, the squad players, are you happy accepting underachievement, Stephen? No, 100% not, Monty, but regardless of what I said in the past about Champions League, We'll have to credit the players who come off the bench against St. Mern because they made the impact in the game. They, in an instance, they won the game always a substitute in that aspect of things. So we didn't underachieve in that game. We got the three points. But look, buddy, my 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 points and my values and what I say about European football does not change whatsoever. And I'm sure you'll see it again from me in the future. I always want Celtic to do the <laughs> best and be the best. And, <laughs> yeah. And I've made my point about signings clear and stuff like that. So not none of my points are changing. But I have to credit Yang, have to credit O. I give them players, do I mean praise because they did really well in the come on. Yeah, but I think it's like the the cut. I mean, it's it's something that often gets flung 
at Celtic in Europe or, or, or anything. And when we say, um, you know, you can only beat what's in front of you, us as a show, we can only comment on what we've seen. And, you know, it's been a, it's been a result on Wednesday night that's where players that haven't featured as regularly as others have come on and helped make the difference. So that's the way that the the discussion's got to go, I, I suppose. Mm. But as I say, time will tell if they cement a more regular place. But that's the good thing about um, having a long season. You know, everyone's got to play play their part. And what we hope more the beds to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for for better uh, better days to come. Here's hoping. Um, but yeah, Stephen, that kind of rounds off the um, the match on on Wednesday. Um, we obviously are going to do it. We're, we know and we appreciate. I know there's probably a lot of people want to know our thoughts on, you know, another yeah. big subject that's um, affected the club this week. But we've decided to leave that one to the end, um, just to kind of you know let, let the Boston. The uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'll be ready to go, no doubt. Um, but um, yeah, so just before we we got on to you know the events of of this week. Um, but obviously, another you know the games just they never stop. They keep coming, thick and fast. Another mm-hmm. another away game uh, this weekend. Um, another early kickoff. I'm sounding a bit like Jurgen Klopp there, aren't I? Really need to knock that on the head. You know, a game's a game. Just got on with it. Um, <laughs> well, it's uh, we've got a trip up to Dingwall tomorrow to face Ross County in the the early match before obviously we then fly out to Madrid for the big game against Atletico uh, in the return match in the Champions League group stage but um, yeah first things first um, massive game um, at the weekend obviously with um, the bootleg Rangers not featuring this weekend they're obviously in action against their, their wee cousins um, in the cup semi-final so there's a chance us to put a little bit of pressure on well I mean a chance of a bit of pressure is a good chance isn't it obviously we're going to restore hopefully the, the, the lead that we had albeit the eight, eight points instead of seven but you mentioned the, the away trips mate I think Rogers himself is getting fed up with it. He's even asking questions and wants to know why this is happening. It's been seven odd years now where we've been just messed up with fixtures like this. I know he was more referring to the the, the game of Christmas, but I'm sure all of it adds in. It seems to be a never-ending away fixture list that we have. I think we've been home maybe twice or something in the last however many games. It's, it's mental, but look, a trip to Dingwall can present a number of challenges. We've seen it ourselves tight games Ralston like I mentioned at the top of the podcast who saved us in the 97 minute I think it was that game and the crowd went mental Malky Mackay is one of these managers who you don't know what you're going to get you think they're an attacking side but then they set up defensively against us so look it's a game it's a game I look forward to but it's a game I hate watching on TV because the camera angles are absolutely abysmal up there they're abysmal that the cameras are so level with the pitch you can barely see anything that's going on but I'm looking forward to it it's a lunchtime kickoff and then you, you said we're flying to Madrid jeez oh imagine Dingwall to Madrid eh it's <laughs> that shows you the standard doesn't it that shows you the, the level that we actually have to play at and then the level we have to reach the, the challenge of club like Atletico which I mean it, it kind of paints it in reality but yeah looking forward to the game and as you said look see all this kind of fixture pile up and all that crap, I'm not interested in it. Professional footballers should be able to play three games a week, no problem. They, they're paid well. They're paid well, they're well rested, they're looked after by the staff, by the medical team, and there's no excuses for me that we can't go and get a good victory. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that, mate, absolutely. I always think, you know, when you're saying about the, the, the match at Dingwall, I always think um, any time we're up at Dingwall always brings back my first ever appearance on this podcast was, you know, when we started this back in the COVID season. 
what a time to do it. And uh, my first time on it was after the game that we lost at Dingwall. But eventually, uh, that was obviously turned out to be uh, Neil's final match in charge at Celtic. We lost the match 1-0. I always remember it because... um, Ryan Christie having the Johnny Wilkinson type effort um, that went out. I think, ah, it, yes. landed, I think it landed in Inverness. Um, it <laughs> went straight out of the park. It was an absolute. It, it, it was one of those moments that just summed up the season and just how everything had crumbled that year. Um, but yeah, and then on the, the Monday night, I was getting getting ready to make my debut on here, and I'm like, how am I going to pick some positivity? I think I was looking at the possession stats and everything, trying to get. Oh, you you were grasping. You were grasping. Yeah. Very much clutching at straws. No much has changed, to be fair. Recently, thankfully, normality's resumed on that part. But I'm still talking pushy on here. Um, but yeah, um, so in terms of what would your sort of kind of lineup um, mm. be? What was your, your score prediction? You, would you say go for more of the same, or do you think he'll rotate a little bit? It, what I can gather from his press conference today, it sounds as though um, Carter Vickers is going to return as scheduled. Mm. Well, I would go um, usual back five. Joe Hart, Johnson, right back. Carter Vickers, Scales, Taylor. McGregor, O'Reilly, home. The, the play in the 10. On the left, I would go Yang. In the middle, I would go O. And then on the right, Mieta. Oh, you, you, you dropping Kyogo for this one? I'd take Kyogo oh. out of it. I'd, it's not, for me, look, it's, it's one of these things. I think up in Dingwall is physical, right? And mm-hmm. Kyogo, we know his qualities, and he probably score a hat trick and make me the words. That's 100% fine. That's grand. But O, o has confidence. And sometimes, mm-hmm. maybe throw him in and see what he can do from the start. And like 45 minutes in, he can take him off if he's having the, if he's having the shocker. But um, yeah, Yang, O, and Bied on the right. And the score prediction will be 3 1 Celtic. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll take that all day, mate. Um, again, I, I take what you mean about, you know, starting out. I think. As I say, we know he'll probably um, start with, with uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I would, I would, I, I can definitely understand why you would have Yang in there after his um, exploits on Wednesday. Um, what would you go think, with? Yeah, definitely get back to Maeda on the, my, my, I would have Maeda on the right. I think it, pretty much the, um, the team you picked um, up until the front three. I think it will go back to Palma, Kyogo, Maeda on the right. Aye, I would say that yeah. I think there might be more of an opportunity. Like we were saying earlier, because it got, it got raised during the week as well, that if O is in this kind of forum and we're still chasing the game, why not do something that not too many managers have had to deal with so far and stick the two of them on? They're goal threats in, in you know, different ways. So there's, um, yeah, all, all, all manner of ways that we could set up. But um, yeah, that would be, that, that would be my, my team. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go for the same scoreline, Stephen. I hope we, we can get back to, um, you know, putting the ball in the net a few times and. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of just, as I say, I'm like yourself, it's a game that I'm always a bit touchy around. It. And it's not just Ross County, it's any trip up north. It was the same when it used to be back in the day when Inverness were in the league as well. And they did always used to fall either just before or just after um, a big European game as well, yep. um, such as the sense of humour that the old fixture computer has. But here's hoping just, uh, yeah, it's always one of the get it out the road games for me, and um, yeah, you know, especially with the fact that we're managing to to get to play it before you know we get hit the real depths of winter. Um, yeah, let's just let's just get up there, put on a good performance, and hopefully get um, the result that we're looking for. Um, so that's that's pretty much the football side of things. Um, 
taking care of Stephen, but I, I, just, I, I thought maybe people thought we'd be worried that we're not going to um, speak about everything else, but we, we, I think we absolutely have to. I think that's, that yeah. goes without saying. It's been um, a big eventful week off the park with, with Celtic in terms of the ongoing um, the ongoing situation, shall we say, between uh, the, the club and the supporters group, the, the Green Brigade. Um, there mm -hmm. had been obviously a, a suspension of uh, access to away tickets uh, that were led to believe for the, the past few games there. However, it's um, now manifested itself and into a home ban as well. And there does not seem to be any kind of timeline for when there could be a possible return. Um, the This club have cited several incidents um, and I have to say there was plenty of Palestine flags on display on Wednesday night and there was certainly no intervention from the police there. So you can say that it's joined up thinking, although I think we all agree that this, um, whatever, however long the crime list is, I think this, this kind of ongoing situation guys are certainly concentrated minds on this subject. But um, in their statement, Celtic cited several um, offences that have um, led to this and um, that, that this sort of indefinite ban. Um, the Green Brigade have, you know, replied, um, as is their right, I suppose, um, you know, basically calling Celtic's um, account of uh, um, matters um, into question. Um, we were also followed by their sort of kind of miniature group um, that sat on the opposite side of the stadium on Wednesday night, walking out after five minutes. Um, and they couldn't have timed it any worse because it literally just happened as St Mirren scored. Um, so That's where they walked out. Was a few, uh, yeah, let's just say the tensions were in the air um, momentarily. I think um, I think the full, um, you know, the full hierarchy were delighted when David Turnbull scored and kind of diffused the situation um, a little bit. But I know we're kind of on opposite sides of this um, debate, Stephen, and that's why it's only right that we should um, that we that we should debate should debate it. Um, I think we can both agree, no matter what the situation is, it's it's not great to see. Um, it's, it's it's not great that we're we're having to talk about it because we would rather it, it wasn't a a topic that we had to talk about. But it, but you know, such is life that it is. Um, as I say, I was there on Wednesday. One 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 wasn't empty by any means. It was, but it was a lot more sparsely populated. Mm. Um, and you know there was definitely you know it certainly wasn't as as densely um, packed as, as what it was um, on normal games. Do you see any any end to this um, where anyone really comes out smelling the roses? It's not good to be talking about a, a split between some support and, and the board. We know we all know we're not blind or naive enough to think the board are the the correct party in this. There's mistakes obviously on both sides. That's fair enough to put their statements out respectively and they the said what they said. Um I think for me you, you mentioned the the, the Palestine Israel thing. Look, as a podcast, we're not gonna go into the political side of it and, and all that kind of stuff, but we kinda know what everyone's thinking and that's fair enough. But Absolutely. I think for me that I think for me this has been a smokescreen because they know the Green Brigade's very political feud. Obviously Certain things have happened in the past, statements, banners, um, TIFOs and stuff, kind of talking about situations happening in different countries, and including Ireland, where I live. Mm -hmm. So it, it's been well publicised that the Green Brigade believe in freedom of speech, and I, I 
certainly agree with that aspect of things. I'm all for that protest and however, and earn people's voices who otherwise can't be heard in mainstream media. And again, that's all well and good for me. Um, looking at the current situation, I just think, especially Rogers coming back as well, it's, it's kind of a, a bad thing to do, isn't it? Mm. There obviously wasn't any any compromise from from either party here, and the, the Celtic board have took it upon themselves to indefinitely ban them from away and home venues at the minute. And look, I, I just I don't see an end to it. I think there's a lot of people who would see like to see the back of the Green Brigade. Look again, they're entitled to their opinion. I wholeheartedly disagree with the stance that um, the Celtic board have, have taken this, and that they've they've cited seven incidents. That's fair enough. That's a hundred percent, but. It's only really ramped up since the whole Palestine and Israel conflict has kicked off big time. And that conflict hasn't just been happening in the last month. It's been happening for 62 years in that country. So it's it's been happening ongoing for years and years and years. So it's only, from my opinion, the board have took this opportunity before IEFA or FIFA come in and intervene in, in terms of what's been shown at Celtic Park, whether it's Palestine flags or, again, banners aiming statements at different political organizations or countries. I just I don't I don't agree with it. I, I think it's censoring support. I think you should be allowed to speak your mind. And look, we we all know there's songs and stuff that shouldn't be sung and all that type of stuff. That's fair enough. Do you know what I mean? But protesting, acknowledging Michael McDonald put it perfectly, acknowledging innocent victims from both sides. I think that is should be allowed. Do you know what I mean? It's voices for for everybody. I mean the Ukraine Russia conflict conflict. There was no issue. With, with Ukrainian flags being flew when they were being oppressed or do you know I mean oppressed by a bigger enemy, so to speak. So again, it's it's just because the, the, this is so. How would you describe it, Anthony? What what's a great word to use? Uh, it's it's so thing I'm, with I'm everybody. A, a, a content, yeah, a contentious issue. Mm-hmm. It, it's a really contentious issue, no matter what side you're on or who you speak to, and. I don't know. And the whole thing with Leila Bada, I suppose they had to make a stance in some shape or form as well. He he had a meeting with Brendan Rodgers and, and things like that. The Israeli um, national team manager calling Celtic anti-Semitic was absolutely outrageous. Disgraceful. Disgraceful. I know we both have our gripes with the board on, on certain uh, issues, but I think they were very quick to to respond to that and they dealt with it um, very quickly. It's, um, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen it, but basically they've responded and, you know, quite, with very, very few, but basically completely condemning what the Israeli national team manager said, and rightly so, Celtic never has been, never, never will be a, a club that's anti-Semitic. Um, Anti-Semitism is one of many cancers, sadly, in, in, in society. Um, but yeah, Celtic certainly do not um, are, are not well, Anthony, associated with that. Say if I come back to it as well, yeah. the, the spokesperson, whoever it was, did the right thing and, and, and released that statement, albeit Celtic didn't release it in any official media channel, which again is strange in my opinion. We're meant to back up the club. We say, we say we're a club open to all, but it doesn't feel like that to me at the minute. And that, that's being 100% honest. It seems like they pick and choose what they want. Do, do you know what I mean? It, it's like... Come on, like, like let it in. And I think Pam said I, it there. I, yeah, they're saying no. I, don't think ever, I, I, I think it's it's a it's it's a lovely sort of so it's, it's a lovely little phrase to, to to have that we're open to all. Mm. But I think 
I think we we, ha- we can't we have to be very careful to not take that too literally. You know, some you know you get some you know religious fanatics in America that you know the, the Bible is you know that you know that they, they take everything in it literally. Um, Celtic has never been for me anyway a club open to all, and I think in a lot of ways that's that's a good thing. I mean, I certainly wouldn't want. You know anyone? It's it, it, certainly off the the flat. Well, I think when they say open to all, it, I think it, like everything in life, it's within reason. Um, mm. I certainly wouldn't want any far right lunatics um, spouting their poison um, online or or anywhere else, and then feeling that they can then rock up to Celtic Park or you know if, if you're close at home, anything you know with far right groups like the BNP um, or or anything like that. Um, I but I, I think for me that that's that's looking at that at a far larger scale. I'm I'm on about yeah. as a as a as a football organisation. We say we're a club open to all and the support and stuff like that. I get wholeheartedly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But the, the Green Brigade thing for me is people forget the charity drives, the food banks, the the homeless people they help out in Glasgow, all the good stuff they do. Am I saying they're innocent and everything? No, they're not. But nobody's innocent. You said there was Palestine flags. Around dotted around Celtic Park on Wednesday. Are they going to get banned? Are they going to? Do, do you know what well, I mean? I think that's. So if, uh, what, I think what, what, what we're saying about that. I mean, that's why we're evident because Celtic are adamant that this is not this ban is not because of what happened, what has happened in the last few weeks, shall we say? Yeah. And I think you can use that as evidence to say, well, there was supporters not just in one 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 that was that was left in one one, but but there was. Flags, the Palestine national flag was was quite visible throughout the ground. Like you say, Police Scotland didn't um, try and you know they they, were, they weren't removed. You know people were fr- free to to wear them or you know wave them or you know have them round their, their shoulders or anything as they as they see fit. Um, as I say, where where my um, issue my, my, my issue with them. Yeah, where do you stand on the things rather than rather than the actual rather than the, the, the political side of things? Um but I, I think and it's only a hunch. It's only a hunch, I have to say this. I'm sounding a bit like Hugh Keevens there, and I stress this is only a hunch. <laughs> that's, that's a worrying road to be going down, mate. But we've um, we've obviously seen what the issue that happened at Dens Park there on Wednesday night as well with the um, early firework displays by exactly the, uh, by, by their version of it. But I think they they spectacularly read the room wrong. I think and um, you know a lot of the, the the upcoming summit between Police Scotland and Scottish Government and the SFA specifically around fan behaviour. I think that the way the media painted it, it's almost as if because of what's been happening the last couple of weeks and what happened at Dens Park on Wednesday, that there's now going to be a summit. This summit was always happening. This, the, mm-hmm. this, uh, I think it's either next week or the week after. And it's not just pyro. It's not just banners. It's not just um, you know any kind of particular subject in a song. It's root and branch fan behaviour at football matches and, and in the surrounding area. It's talking about the... Them, and it's it's proved unpopular the, the the subject in the past, but I think more and more now this issue of strict liability. Strange love, you've just that you've took the words out of mouth. The topic is strict liability is raising its head again. Due to the, what does that mean? The, 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 I don't know what that means. A thing in, yeah, it's been more an issue in England, but it is happening more and more. We've seen it pre-COVID when there was the quite a, a few incidents where bottles were being thrown on the pitch and 
Um, it was happened at Easter Road quite a bit as well, you know, jumping the the, um, the advertising boards to try and attack players and, and things like that. And obviously Hibs acted quickly and closed that little corner down. I think it still is closed as, as far as I'm aware. And I think clubs are trying... Uh, my hunch is that Celtic are actually trying to get ahead of the game on this because I don't think anyone wants strict liability, but I think it's coming down the road in some way, shape or form. Um, whether we like it or not and what i would say if, if anyone that's not quite aware of what it means strict liability would essentially be misbehavior of supporters the club um, being punished for it i think we've lost steven momentarily there did you some uh, connection issues hopefully he's buying it okay? we're back we're back we're, we're back. back um it would essentially be the club uh, would be punished for the actions of supporters so that could result in anything from fines to um clo- clo- you know sections of the stand being closed off and it, you know it goes up like everything else full-blown um stadium closures right up until points deduction it's not something that i think any supporter would would, would want to happen mm-hmm. but i think and in, in some form of it it's starting to gain a bit of traction so for celtic to be addressing it head on and regardless of what anyone says but for me, we know, and I'm sure Ross won't mind me using his his his, um, his opinion here. Ross is very much off the he's, he's I'm I'm not a fan of them, as 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 you know. Um, but Ross is very much of the um, not Michael. Every everyone every comment is as well. That this is a it's a show where um, differences. It's a show. Open the all. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But, but it, it's um, it's a. We, we like to think this is a platform where all fans are able to to um, to express their views. I know there's there's going to be, you know, there's, there's we've seen it already. There's guys in the comments that are very much on the on the side of the Green Brigade. There's other folk um, that aren't, and that's listen, that's absolutely fine. Um, for for me, um, you know, and, and Ross says that he's of, totally of the opinion that they believe that they're they're bigger than the club. I, I completely. And I don't just mean that, um, and, and well, uh, you know, he's absolutely of that opinion, and that's why one, one of the reasons he's not a supporter um, of them. I'll concede that I think that that opinion is it's still a matter of opinion. However, the statement during the week there for me, undebatedly now, means that th- th- that group of fans think that, they, that certain rules don't apply to them the way that it applies to other supporters in the stadium. They essentially said, we are following the rules that we want to follow and to hell with the rest. And Celtic, they're, they're, they're using the rope that Celtic, if Celtic are giving them a rope to hang themselves with, for me, they're going a bit, they're, they're very much going in that direction because Celtic have now got all the evidence they want to go, listen, we've, we've, we've tried, and I, I know you, you said in the group chat that we want Celtic to, you, you, you would want Celtic to try and diplomatically try and resolve this one way or another but I find for me it's very similar to the almost like the ticket issue with Rangers at Ibrox but Celtic have been down this road for, for years and years now they it started off I mean I've been sitting in one 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 for years I've seen it grow from you know a, a row of group of young group of boys and then to grow into what it has now became and mm-hmm. I think Celtic for long and weary were aware of some of the issues that come with it, but they were prepared to put up with that to a certain degree. And we've been down this road with bans, f- 
fines. There has always been, you know, um, sort of discussion between the board and the, the Green Brigade in terms of, you know, allowing them in to set up um, displays and things like that. I think Celtic are now at the end of their terror with them when when employees of the club are feeling threatened. When they're but you don't you don't know how much of that is actually fabricated no, or no, real no, truth. We, we, we can criticise the Celtic board for a lot of things, right? One of the one of no, one of the things I would always say, and you know, they're, they're affectionately sometimes called the Grey Brigade, and I can you know, which is quite, you know, I always find that quite amusing. But I think whenever they put statements out. Whenever they're meant to, whenever they're having to do things in a public manner, I think it always comes across professional and statesmanlike. And I just think now they have repeatedly asked for them not to to, to, to wave banners that have certain, you know, shall we say, yeah. contentious issues on them. They have repeatedly asked them not to let off um, pyro fireworks. Um, for, for, for quite what I can only describe as quite obvious reasons. I mean, we've already had an incident last year where a young fan um, got injured at the match when they let them off in a Champions League game and, you know, he, he missed the rest of the match. Because it will always deal with, it'll end up being the club that gets punished. And mm. I look at, especially in Europe, you look at, um, I think it was Vizsla Krakow, I might, be, I might be wrong there, but it was definitely one of the, one of the Polish sides had got back into the Champions League a few years ago and on their opening game, lit off flares, fireworks, crackers, the full works. It was like Dens Park on Wednesday night and UEFA came down on them. There was, there was no debate. There was no, there was no fine, you know, uh, you, know, you know, stages of fines or anything like that. The next two group games, that stand was closed. No arguments, no debate. That's what's happening. And they could possibly quite look at Celtic and go, well, how come time after time in one 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 there's crackers and smoke bombs go off at, at every European game and it only ever seems to be fines? And again, I'm only saying this, I think this is an opinion. I think UEFA don't necessarily want to punish Celtic because they know we are a club that historically has had a fantastic support, a, a progressive support, I would say. You know, we're... we're, we're I think on the right side of history with a lot of things, mm -hmm. but I think that reputation over the last few years has been tarnished, and I think Celtic, but UEFA are now at the end of their tether with it. I actually accept the hypocrisy side of the, the, the Ukraine. I, I, I totally take on board what you're saying there. The problem is, though, Celtic is a member of UEFA. It's committed to UEFA's code of conduct. It's UEFA's ball, and if they want if they permit certain things and don't allow another, whether we like that or not, if we want to play in those competitions, then that's the rule book you, you, you sign up for. I agree there is part of, parts of it that are hypocritical, but I just don't think Celtic legally, legally are in a position where they can do nothing else. And like I say, they've exhausted, for me uh, anyway, I think they've exhausted all options with them. And for the Green Brigade to then on Wednesday or Tuesday night, whenever they put that statement out again, to say we're only going to follow the rules we want to. I think there reaches a point in in any debate or discussion where you have to say, well, that, well that's that then, boys. That's that. If, if if I go into Celtic Park next week and have a smoke bomb in the in my, my stand and I wave things or sing things I'm not allowed to, Celtic will take my season book off me. Um, so why, why can it be, not be okay for an individual, but it be okay for a group? Celtic have got to look after 
the majority of fans that aren't part of this 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 group and basically they've got to they've got to abide by the rules that UEFA set out whether we like that or not if we want to continue to be a member that, that plays in these tournaments for me I accept it's a sorry situation I really do I don't want anyone not being able to come into Celtic Park and, and watch the game but I feel really that Celtic have been left with no other choice in but I'll, I'll, I'll go back to myself mate I'll let, you, I'll let you counter that just before we, we finish off for the night I mean I think you've covered it pretty well. Like, and you know, I don't agree with probably the majority of, of what your views are and, and what you think the right the right it's decision was. And there's a few people in here like Studs Lanagan, the for corrupt. I mean, they're the most hypocritical association yeah. to even yeah. impose a ban on a support for certain things. San Fran in here, Yefa know it stinks. That's why. And I think the I think this is a great point and something I haven't really took on board. The club don't want a European ban with 60 million at stake. Imagine Celtic win the league, get banned for a season, and Rangers pick up the 60 million as a next to nine for group stage. So stuff like that could probably happen. That that, that a, is a it, nuclear that, that that you would class that as a nuclear option that UEFA yeah. could exercise. Unlikely, but I do I I understand where he's coming from absolutely, and I think we've been we've had been fined so many times. I'm I'm actually quite surprised. I'm actually quite surprised we haven't had a, a ban from UEFA so far, not for behaviours or for um, banners or songs or anything, just purely on the pyro subject, which it's it's quite clearly in black, black and white. You're not allowed to do it. Other clubs have been punished for it. And I'm quite surprised that, Celtic, that the UEFA haven't acted on that sooner, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, but... Um, I think, as I say, I think it goes back to the fact that UEFA do have a good relationship with Celtic and they, re- they recognise that the overwhelming, like, the Celtic support on a whole is a massive force for good, not just in football, but in so many other ways as well. And I think they're almost hesitant to, to, to rule with the iron fist where Celtic's concerned. But mm. by the same point, you know, sooner or later, that, 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 good, that good spirit can run out. I think as well, Anthony, Michael McDonald. Michael McDonald, I've been seeing his comments that it's clearly split to support it. It will. Yeah. A lot of fans are divided. So people recognise the good stuff Green Brigade do, also recognise the bad, and then there's people who just aren't for them. And that's fair enough. And you mentioned the boys' group. Like, I think they're just really starting out as an ultra form and mm. probably um, not the best kind of decision to put up a police banner that had nothing to do with the relevant situation and then yeah. ditch after five minutes. But I get I their point. It was, it, it was a bit strange for them to be brothers in arms um, showing solidarity because this time last year they were organising running battles with each other in the Forge car park. So I suppose their relationship has progressed in a positive way. It's blossomed. Um, it's way. blossomed. But <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, absolutely. It's for, for me, like, look, I don't think it should have... Any supporters should be banned unless it's something madness that they've done. Do you know I mean? It's for banners singing freedom of speech i'm all for it but again i take on i take the points on board that maybe i'm a bit naive in the fact that the if could come down hard and we get bans and stuff and you've seen that at dance park they'll get that away with that they won't get a fine for that they'll be we tap on the wrist and that'll be it for them but we're held accountable for to a different level the other teams in the, in the spfl look we have to cope with that and i do hope from my point of view that there is a, a solution i don't see it anytime soon because we all know as i said the green brigade's beliefs People are saying, I want to I get your point on this because Monty said it. Look, it's something that I've maybe thought about as well. 
Do you think it's a wee bit of pressure from the Scottish government, the Tories and, and things like this, pressing in on Celtic? We know there's a few board members who have ties mm. to certain political organisations. Do you think it's to do with that as well? Not not on the, the Tory side. Of it. I mean, but for as much as that, I mean, the, the Holyrood um, electoral system paints a false image of how strong the Tories are in, in, in Scotland. There's... Um, you know, I think I can't remember how many seats they've got, but it's it's way oversubscribed due to proportional representation. The, the Scottish Tories, um, apart from the absolute loonies that will that will you know still think Douglas Ross is as good a political leader as he is a linesman, they don't. You know, they they, they are very insignificant still in Scotland, uh, Stephen. Where I do think the government thing comes into it is the actual the the, the governing party at the moment, the, the SNP. Um, mm. I think they're they're. There is now some more. Um, what would we say? There's more scope for strict liability. The strict liability is being the, the 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 sort of subject of it's raised. It raises it said every so often in Scotland, and all clubs have usually um, spoke out against it. But I think there is a, and you would you would certainly never get. Um, you know, I, I think that it's a, a lot of these things are political footballs. Um, especially around yeah. um, election season, but for me, I think that there is some kind of that there is a, a a chance that the government, the government, not Scottish Tories, but the Scottish government, could be putting pressure on it because they there is no doubt, and it's not just Celtic. I have to state that, yeah. um, and it's actually not even just Rangers. We've seen this with Aberdeen, we've seen it with Hearts, um, Hibs are you know notorious for. Um, some some trouble making down that side of the stadium as well. There's obviously the the um, the crowd at Motherwell as well. That you know pitch invasion. I was at the Livingston game last week. Remember you boy with the, with some uh, free tickets from his football club to to go down. And Dundee fans ran on the park when they scored as well. So I think it's this rise in anti-social behaviour across the board that might get the government to act. But that's why I think that this summit. I think that it's been misrepresented in the media that it's because of the fireworks at Dens Park and Celtic fans putting up waving Palestine flags that this summit's been arranged to, you know, cure all ills. It's not the case. This summit was always happening. And I think perhaps this might be something that is coming down the road. And Celtic, I don't think any of us would want it, but I think there's now more there's perhaps more support for it than what there has been previously. And we know that it only needs um, you know the the eleven one uh, voting system. Yeah. It's you know it's very delicately balanced, and you know I think Celtic we just have to be prepared for that. And I think that's why, perhaps, and as I say, I've got nothing to to back this up with with facts or anything. It's just what I think. You know, reading between the lines, this might be something that Celtic are trying to preempt um, coming down the coming down the line. Um, as I say, I would rather a more. Uh, it's it's awful to use the term peaceful um, with regards to a football an issue with regards to you know the disgusting things that are happening over in the face. But hopefully a, a peaceful solution of some sort can be found. But um, like we say, it's this looks like it might be something that drags on. Mm. It does, mate. And as I said, I hope there is an end to it. Like, but it doesn't seem like that anytime soon. That's it. That's it, my friend. But. Um, Lo and behold, I'm sure um, no matter that there might not be Green Brigade um, behind the goals tomorrow, but I'm sure whoever's all going along um, will have will roll the boys on to what we hope is a, a positive result um, on the football matters, and we can get that that um, cushion at the top 
um, back to where it belongs. And um, good luck to the boys um, tomorrow on the park and safe journey to everyone that's making the trip north for the match. Um, but in terms of the podcast tonight, uh, Stephen, we've, we've, we've covered a lot of things tonight in a you know, relatively brief hour and 12 minutes. Um, but, you know, me and you, we never, never shy out a conversation. Um, have you enjoyed it? Ah, uh, yeah, mate, hundred percent. Like, uh, Monty was in at the comments there right at the start, asking yeah. about this, and I knew it was coming. So I'm glad yeah. we covered it and covered it quite well as well. So I mean, everyone gets involved, and Michael McDonald, the support's divided. But as long as we're not the vet, the vet supporting the team, winning games of football and stuff like that, then we're fine. Oh, absolutely. That's it. That, regardless, that will always be. Um, the most important thing, and I, I hope you know there'll always be. be there, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Monty will definitely be one of them. Um, but we know Monty's a valued member of this uh, community. But and but I know it won't just be Monty, but there'll be a hell of a lot of others in the comments that no doubt have disagreed with, with my views on it. It might be the same, vice versa. Mm-hmm. But if you're a Celtic supporter or even just a, a football fan in general, like you'll always be welcome to share your views um, on here. So thanks again, everybody, for for tuning in. Uh, for getting involved in the discussion. We hope we'll, we'll, you've found something that you've maybe uh, found amusing or interesting um, to take forward. And if you have enjoyed it and you haven't subscribed yet, by all means, uh, do so. And you can check us out. I'm sure Stephen's got all the, the links there. If you want to watch us on uh, you know, YouTube or, uh, or TikTok, as it is now as well. Uh, we're just uh, we're everywhere, Stephen. Absolutely everywhere. <laughs> um, but uh, I'll leave it to your good self to do the famous sign-off. And we'll be back on Monday reviewing our trip to Dingwall at the weekend. 100%. You mentioned TikTok. That's a quick refresher. As anyone wants to find us, as I said, the community's grown on, on YouTube. Let's make it grow on TikTok. So there it is, at Endless Cells. That's where you just go on your TikTok search bar, Endless Cells, and you'll find us. There's more videos than this up now. William's been absolutely incredible with them. Some funny things, some good things about Rio Atate, and you've seen the old one at the start of the, the podcast. But as Anthony, as Anthony said there, until Monday, everybody, Stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.